0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. All right, I let the song play to the end. You guys have the jam over on the, uh, the live side. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. This is your Tuesday edition of the show. February the 13th, Valentine's Day tomorrow. What will we be? Who will be our Valentine? Who will be our Valentine tomorrow? A question that only will be answered by the six games this evening. Today on the show, we're mostly going to be covering the Monday card. We had a lot of games, a 10-gamer to go over, and you had a bunch of the recently traded fellows playing many of them. Their second game for their new team, Buddy Heald, I think, was uh, a third, but how much do we need to talk about him? He's absolutely dominating in his new digs. I am Dan Bespris. This is uh, a Sports Ethos presentation. I got through that sentence. At Dan Bespris over on social media, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Folks here at the front end of the show, I want to ask you kindly, take a moment as we're easing into the program. Hit that like button. Make sure you subscribe if you're relatively new to the proceedings here and you haven't had a chance to do it yet. It's super easy. I know that on the YouTube channel deal. You can just hit the button right there on the screen. Uh, I actually don't even remember how easy it is to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify, but generally they make those buttons pretty easy to find. If you have an opportunity to drop a five-star review, I'd appreciate that as well. But again, the quick stuff here, a like, a follow over on social, a subscribe button. Let's uh, bring you all into the fold. I would love for you to be a part of what we do here daily, sometimes twice daily here on Fantasy NBA Today and Sports Ethos. Diving straight to the card, Indiana, an embarrassing loss. An embarrassing loss in Charlotte. My Indiana over bet is a little less safe than I would have liked. Tyrese Halliburton being hurt, eased back in, Pacers being sort of middling lately. They're 30 and 25. I'm trying to remember, I actually probably should have had this. Uh, what was the Pacers over? I think they basically needed to be a 500 ball club, if I'm remembering right. Uh, was it 39? It was a little bit under 500, I think, at the beginning of the season. If I'm trying to remember that. I think Pacers was like 39. I lost the giant document I used to type all this stuff up at the beginning of the year. That was on my hard drive. I don't know if you guys remember my hard drive crashed in July. I typed up a uh, uh, write-up on all 30 teams. It was just gone. So upsetting. Uh, the current Pacers line is 44 and a half, which is not what the season started with. What the hell was it? Uh, What was the Pacers number? I don't remember. Damn it. I think it was 39. Either way, uh, st- yeah, I mean, you got, uh, what do you got, 27 games left, 500 ball club. They should still get there. If they're above 500, I think that one hits. I don't know why I'm talking through this on air. This is something, Dan, you should research this stuff before you go on. But whatever, it's a live show. You guys get to see me my wander wander through my streams of consciousness. In any event, it's a bad loss. Andrew Nemhart right now has sort of the clearest path of anyone on the team to picking up some of the buddy healed stuff. But also Nemhart doesn't have a particularly strong fantasy game. He's generally assists only. Yes, yeah, sometimes he'll have a game like yesterday where he shoots five for seven and gets three steals and everything looks gravy, but it's not. So, nothing. Charlotte, on the other hand, requires a little bit of our attention. I'm getting copious. Yes, that's right. So many that they are copious. I'm getting copious questions about who to add on the Charlotte Hornets. And I get it. They were actually reasonable questions. Because uh, Seth Curry, Grant Williams, and Trey Mann, also Vasile Mitzic, finally had an opportunity to, to triple-check myself on that one. Vasile Vasilej. If you listen to him say it, he says it so fast that it just sounds like Vasile. Uh The slow version is Vasily. Last name is Mitzic. Anyway, feel good about finally being able to dig into the pronunciation guide on that one. Uh, this is what I was worried about. This is why I put him on the watch list on the last show. I know a lot of folks had him as an ad, and I said, all right, I mean, okay, if you want to get super aggressive there. But, you know, he shot the ball extraordinarily well. There was almost no way he was going to get nine assists per ball game. And, you know, you, you sort of look at some of these players, and you're like, there may be a reason that maybe they're not getting... Like full starters run on other teams. And it's not because they're not decent, but it is because there's a big learning curve. So still watch list him. Mitzic can still be on your watch list, but I didn't think there was a reason to go straight up and add, and I still don't. Seth Curry at 18 points in 19 minutes. The minutes are what you're looking at there, so he also does not need to be added, but you can throw him on a watch list as well. Cody Martin is not one of the guys that got traded, but I did get some questions about him, and he's a low percentages guy. I know he shot five for eight in this ball game, but he generally doesn't. He's a low field goal percent, low free throw percent dude who doesn't do nearly enough in the counting categories to make up for those shortcomings. So he can also stay on the wire. Uh, and that brings us to, because look, Miles Bridges is obviously a start. Uh, Brandon Miller is a start. Nick Richards is sort of your low end center stream, blah, blah, blah. That brings us to Grant Williams and Trey Mann, the two guys that I'm getting asked about the most. I like to save that for the end when I break down these teams because you sort of like knock everything else out out of the way, and now we've just got these two names that are sitting there looking us in the grill, and we're like, all right, what do we do with them? Starting with Grant Williams, um, first of all, he shot seven out of eight at the free throw line, which is unusual. Uh, 6 out of 12 from the field, uh, it's a repeatable number for him, he's actually kind of a decent uh, field goal percent guy for someone who generally like, sort of camps out in the corner and shoots three-pointers. Um, he's only at 42% from the field so far this year. Yeah. Uh, Largely because of an extraordinarily poor run in Dallas. They wanted him out of there. I mean, it was just like the fit was never quite right. But with Boston, he was more like 45 ish. 44 and change, 45, he's been sort of slowly trending up. Here in Charlotte, he's at 48 through his first two ball games. He's also uh, attempted, like we mentioned, 10 free throws in two ball games, which is just not at all something you're going to expect to continue. And, you know, some of it is because, and there's a few things at play here. For one, he's playing more. You know, he's averaging 32 minutes a game in his two games with the Hornets. After never getting higher than 26 and change uh, in Dallas and never actually clearing the 26-minute mark in Boston. He's also shooting 11, 12 times a game. Took 11 shots in his first game with the Hornets. He took 12 in the last one. That's a much larger jump than you'd expect when his minutes only went up by, you know, less than or about twenty percent. Twenty percent on added onto six point seven shots; it only gets him to eight, not eleven and a half. Now, obviously, what what you are all yelling at me and you should be yelling at me is Dan. That's because he was playing with Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving in Dallas, and in Charlotte, he's playing with Miles Bridges and Brandon Miller, who don't exactly control the ball the way that Luka and Kyrie do. And you are correct. So there is a reasonable explanation for an uptick in field goal attempts. Going from 6.7 to 11.5, though, is almost doubling. He's added five shots a game over 6.5. I mean, we're talking about, you know, 80% jump instead of the 20% jump that his minutes took. That's probably not something that's going to stick. You know, even when Kyrie was out or when Luka was out, you still didn't see Grant Williams taking 11, 12 shots a ballgame. You know, he went from 6.5 to 8 or 9 in those scenarios. So I think you're probably looking at someone who likely trends back towards about 9 shots per ball game. We're also hearing on Grant Williams that he may be picking up small ball center minutes because the Hornets don't really have a legitimate backup five behind Nick Richards. We have no idea if Mark Williams is ever going to show his face again. Davis Bertans can play some center because he's tall, but he's also not going to get in anybody's way. In in as much as at least Grant Williams, who's not tall, but is you know a boulder on, on legs, he can at least stand in the way of the rim, and dudes can't just go straight through him. You know, Nick Richards, you got both. He has height, he has strength. Grant Williams has massive strength, but no height. Davis Bertans has height, but no strength. So that's why Richards is still going to play the bulk of the center minutes, and he played 26 of them yesterday, which left about 11 for Bertans, and Grant Williams picked up about another 10, roughly, or somewhere in that neck of the woods. Here's the other problem with Grant Williams, though. Like, yes, as a center... That does mean that he has now a slightly better path towards getting rebounds because he's just going to be closer to the rim. And he's at six rebounds a game in his 32-ish minutes per game in Charlotte. But career-wise, Grant Williams is not a great rebounder. In Dallas this year, he was at three and a half rebounds in 26 minutes. And yes, again, I know some of that's because he wasn't playing center and because Luka takes 10 rebounds a game out of a guard position. Even if you go back to Boston, 4.5 rebounds in 26 minutes per game. If you add 20% to that and even then give a center bump, 4.6 is not going to 9 or 10. You could get him to 6 and change, perhaps, which is where he's at right now. So is 9 shots a game, and yeah, look, a lot of them are going to be 3-pointers. So, you know, 2-ish, two, 3-pointers a game, 2.5 if you want to go that high. Is two and a half three pointers a game, and you know, call it something like 11 points. Is 11 points, two and a half three pointers, and six rebounds. Is that enough for fantasy value for a guy that doesn't get defensive stats? Really, not many. Half a steal, half a block could maybe trend up to like 0.7 and 0.7. He's a fine free throw shooter, but he's not going to get there five times a game. He might get there like 1.5 to 1.8, something in that neck of the woods. My thought is that the answer here is probably no. Probably not inside the top 109, Cat. And I, 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 I want to give Grant Williams credit. That's why I wanted to really dig into this one and say, is this a believable jump for him to get to where he's at right now? And my... Like, again, and I can't know for certain, all of this is just handicapping, but, like, we can look at Grant Williams last year, and he was outside the top 200 uh, in, you know, 25 minutes a game in Boston. You can go the previous year, 20-some-odd minutes a game in Boston. He was 188. So he's just not that close. Even if he goes from 25 to 32 minutes, even if he goes from 26 to 32 minutes, I just don't think there's enough to get him all the way to the top 100. Does he get himself into a pretty reliable stream zone? Yeah. You know, 125, 150 range is probably in the... I mean, even if you said 100 was a best-case scenario, 100 to 150 range is probably, uh, I'd say, almost definitely attainable for him. But that, to my, in my eyes, is not a reason to go out there and dive in face-first. Now let's talk Trey Mann. And I know I'm pausing on this team a lot, but a lot of these other teams we can blitz through pretty fast today. So let's let's spend time on the stuff that really matters right now. Trey Mann is a very different discussion because he is going to get the usage categories. He's going to take some shots. He's going to have some assists because he's basically the point guard right now while LaMelo Ball remains shelved indefinitely. Uh, and he grabbed nine rebounds in their game against Indiana yesterday. Don't read too much into that man is a is an okay rebounding guard but you know six and a half rebounds he's averaging in his two and a half games in in or two games in charlotte is not likely to hold because there isn't really anything that happened during his time in oklahoma city that artificially depressed his rebounding and there's nothing in charlotte that's going to artificially raise his rebounding Playing excited basketball right now is what's raising his rebounding number. He had eight defensive rebounds against the Pacers yesterday. I'm fairly certain that's a career high and will probably be a season high. So don't expect Trey Mann to average six and a half rebounds a game. That's absurd. Um, four is quite attainable. Four and a half even. Like, he's not a bad rebounding guard. He's six three, so, you know, a little bit taller, I guess, than your average point guard or thereabouts, but he's... Kind of a spindly fellow. Um, And as as minutes start to wear on him a little bit, the rebounds are, they always trend down. You just see that with these young guys that are finally getting a little bit more opportunity. In the short term, the assists are somewhat sustainable. I don't know about eight per ball game, but you'll see at least a chunk because he is basically the point guard right now. So, you know, six plus feels doable. He's also at 10 points in 30 minutes. Uh, which feels like a number that could maybe go up a little bit. Not entirely clear. 11 shots per game. He's averaging fewer points than he is shots right now, which is ugly. But, you know, maybe he gets himself to the free throw line a couple of times and that number goes from 10 to, you know, 11 points, 12 points, something like that. 12.6 assists is an interesting starting spot. But, and here's the big old but, yeah, big butt just blasting things right out of the way. Here's the butt on Trey Mann. Trey Mann is not at all someone we're gonna rely upon for percentages. He's a career seventy three excuse me, seventy-eight point three percent free throw shooter, which as a guard is a negative. Uh, or it's a negative if you're anybody. As a guard, it's sort of a bigger negative because guards are who you expect to give you a free throw percent lift and then you sort of account for that by knowing you're going to have a big man at some big man on your team is probably going to be shooting in the 70s and foul at the free throw line and that's your sort of your small negative. The guards need to raise it up so the big men can bring it back down. If you have big men on your team that are extraordinary at free throw shooting, this becomes sort of like a reverse proposition, but it's not the way you, you can't handicap that way. I especially with the way that we have to talk about it on the show. I have to treat this show as though everybody has a relatively average standard roster, meaning your guards do your free throw percent work, your big men bring it back down to earth a little bit. And so there that's the rub with Trey Mann, which makes him a very strong points league add. So if you're listening to this show and you're playing points leagues, great, got to go at him because you'll get some assists, you'll get some scoring, uh... You'll get a couple of rebounds here, as we saw. There's upside if he starts to actually lean into it or get confident or take some more shots. Points League, yes, you definitely want to get on board. 9cat, I'm very skeptical. Very skeptical. Because his fantasy game has these absurd holes in it. I mean, this is a dude, and, like, I get it. You know, you can't look at the whole season because he wasn't playing any minutes, But even taking these hyperinflated rebounding and assist numbers, I would say, uh, in Charlotte and combining the fact that he hasn't shot a free throw yet, which once he does, that will become a small negative that hasn't actually occurred yet. He's still in 31 minutes a game outside the top 150, meaning how many minutes do we need this guy to play to get to a top 109 cat valuation? The answer is a number of minutes that are not readily available to most players in the NBA. Like, he'd probably have to play about 35, 36 minutes a game to be a top 109-cat guy because we're going to need not 10 points per game. We're going to need more like 12 or 13. We're going to need 13 points per game. We're going to need the eight assists to hold. We're going to need the rebounds to hold over five. To cover up for the fact that, and he's averaging one steal a game because he had a two steal game, uh, and steals will probably be fine. My guess is that he can probably push about one steal per game. We don't really know. I mean, he ha- he actually has not blocked a shot this season, so I think we can assume that number is going to stay relatively low. Uh, but steals prior to this year, he's been kind of in that, like, if you're saying 30 minutes a game, he should be around one steal per ball game, so that'll be fine. That'll be, you know, average. But big negative in field goal percent incoming, small negative in free throws, probably... Small negative in three-pointers, or maybe call it league average. The assists, I think, come back down to a more reasonable number in the fours, or the rebounds, excuse me. The assists probably come down from eight to six and change. I just, like, he's, I think, right now putting up really good numbers in his first two games with the Hornets, and he's still, you know, near the top 170. And if you're like, Dan, maybe the turnovers will come down from three, If he's the point guard on that team, I don't think the turnovers come down very far from three. You know, if he's the guy that's initiating a lot of the offense, he's probably going to be between two and three turnovers of all game now. So the way I see it, I think it's going to be a really hard path for Trey Mann to get to top 109 category value. I think he's very much a points league add. And I'd be, I mean, I'd be happy to see him prove me wrong, but even if he does, I don't think he's getting much beyond that mark. Like in my eyes, A perfect universe gets him to, like, the 85 range in 9cat, and a more likely universe has him, like we said, more like, you know, 150 range. Guy, bad percentages, needs to do a a ridiculous sum in the other categories, and, you know, I think he might be pretty good in, like, one, maybe one and a half of them. All right, let's start moving through the card a little bit faster now. We spent like a solid 10 minutes on this ballgame, maybe even a tiny bit more. But again, like, these are the guys I want to talk about. Philly's an easy one right now. Uh, you're starting the starters minus K.J. Martin, but plus Tobias Harris when he comes back. So Ubre, Buddy Heald, Paul Reed, Tobias, Tyrese Maxey. Cleveland, you're basically starting the starters. Max Struess is the only question mark there. Uh, he had 10-4-4. He's had two okay ball games in a row. Hard to trust the shooting. But he is right on the borderline. If you wanted to start him, you start him. If you don't, you don't. I don't think it's going to make a difference either way. At this point, he's, you know, fringy 12-teamer. But Darius Garland had his first good game since coming back from the jaw injury. That's going to make the buy low a little bit harder. But, you know, maybe you can still slip it through. And I maintain that Karius Levert is a drop. You finally saw the percentages here kick in a little. We move on. Chicago put up a buck 36 on the Hawks who don't much care about defense. I 29 points on 18 shots. He came roaring back into the mix. Andre Drummond, just 16 minutes. He did have seven points and 11 rebounds, but no foul trouble in this one. Uh, and I think what we're seeing is that that game where he got 30 minutes off the bench, not the one where he started, that was against Minnesota specifically to deal with Rudy Gobert and cat. They went big front court. Uh, but Drummond did have 30 minutes off the bench in the very next ball game in kind of a surprise twist and then hasn't in the last couple one of them was foul trouble this one was not so my take here is that Drummond is probably not going to be a 30 minute a guy or even a mid 20s minutes guy he's going to be 16 minutes and then if everything shapes out ru- excuse me shakes out right why oh, I can't speak today then maybe he can get up into the 20s, but in my eyes, that's not enough reason to hold on to him long term. I am dropping Andre Drummond, holding to Sunmu. And hey, um, I don't know how many guys were yelling at me earlier this year that, that Vooch was washed. I have to like bat these things away on the show. Uh, Vooch is up to number 42 now, by the way, uh, in per game That's a solid round and a half now ahead of where he was drafted. He's in the 30s by totals because he's been pretty damn durable again. Um, And he's inside. He's a second rounder uh, over the last month. So, you know, just saying. Also, fellow old man on the Bulls, DeMar DeRozan, is up to 38. Remember when he was in the 60s? Remember when both these guys were in the 60s and I said, buy low? It hasn't been like this stunning mega game turnaround. They've just been quietly a little bit better every week for like the last eight weeks in a row, and now they're both blitzing their ADPs. (whistles) Yep, wave the flag. Um, Atlanta, DeAndre Hunter had 23 points in 28 minutes. He is now almost ramped up to full tilt. Problem, of course, is that we needed one of the usage guys gone for him to actually be consistently producing at this level. And, you know, for that reason, he's not an ad. We've seen DeAndre Hunter go through these lava-hot stretches where when he gets really, really hot from two-point land, he can be inside the top 100 for a couple of weeks, and then he goes through a cold spell, and he's back, you know, top 175 range. The interesting thing about Hunter is that he's number 113 on the season uh, overall, despite what I would argue has been... Kind of an up-and-down year, especially with the minutes being uh, deflated a tad. There is a chance that DeAndre Hunter ends up with fantasy value. I don't think he's someone that you have to race out and grabs. He's not a big steals and blocks guy. He's generally kind of a like good percentages, uh, points, some boards kind of dude. Not an exciting fantasy line. Good free throw percent. We should throw that in there as well. Steals are eh. Threes are a little better this year. He's just, you know, Max Struess is kind of a similar type guy. That's probably gonna be hovering right on the edge of nine cat value. And so do whatever the hell you want. It's not gonna change your team. Other than noting here that as he gets fully revved up, it could finally it could finally finish off Sadiq Bey. It could. I don't think you have to drop him yet. Bay's been warm lately. He was not quite as good in this ballgame, but he's been kind of heating up. Uh for now you hold Bay a little bit longer. Hunter, keep an eye on it. I mean, this was a excellent ball game. He went seven for seven at the free throw line. That really helped. The fourteen shots were useful as well. If we see the field goal attempts get back up into that, you know, not barely clearing double digits because he's at ten and a half on the season right now. But you've also had you know five, six of his not that many games have been depressed by uh, a minutes cap. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, five of them were. And even if you call this last one sort of a minutes cap game, uh, but remember at the beginning of the year he was getting double digit shots in you know three out of every four ball games basically, and if that's what we can get back to, he can sit maybe right near the edge of the top 100. Wembenyama, Victor. I want to say Victor. I always think of young Frankenstein when I see the name Victor. Uh, Wemby had a triple double. It was crazy. 27 points, 14 rebounds. Ten blocks, two threes, five assists, two steals, just in case you needed other stuff. Who cares about the seven turnovers? This is an absurd basketball game. Wemby's number twelve in nine cat. He is really at this point like one good game away uh from passing who the hell's right in front of him? Larry Markinen. He's probably two good games away from passing Kyrie Irving, although Kyrie at least is is playing again. I I, I, I honestly I'm blown away at how fast Wembenyama made the adjustment to the NBA game, uh, and his tanking team, which successfully pulled off the pre-tank, can now just sort of accidentally win some ball games because the Spurs. Well, they're I mean that bottom three, but they're not very far behind the Hornets. I guess they don't want to win all that many, uh, but they accidentally won one here. Jeremy Sohan was a little bit better. Try to move him if you can after a decent ball game. I'm gonna, I'll ride that horse until the legs fall off. But you guys don't care about this team. Trey Jones is a hold. Vassell's a hold. Uh, nobody cares about Keldon Johnson anymore. We move on to the Toronto side, where there is some stuff to discuss. Jakob Purtle only 20 minutes. Kelly Olytic, 21 minutes. Bruce Brown 31. Grady Dick 22. R.J. Barrett, 24, Gary Trent, 22, Emmanuel Quickly, 25, Scottie Barnes, 30, in a game that was a blowout, so the minutes were a little bit screwball. Also, uh, worth pointing out, Scottie Barnes, number 22 in 9-cat right now, Tyrese Maxey, number 24. These guys that are going to get lauded as the best picks of the year have been kind of quietly trending the wrong way lately. And by the way, they are some of the best picks of the year. But uh, that guy that went in the 40s, 50s, 60s that hasn't completely fallen off yet? is Chet Holmgren, oddly enough. And any event, back to the Raptors. So I don't think we can take a ton away from this game because it was over early, as evidenced by the fact that Quickly and Barrett only got minutes in the mid-20s. But what I do want to point out is that Kelly Olenek in his two games in Toronto has been a, a fantasy force. And his minutes haven't been all that high yet. So there's kind of two things that I'm fighting with inside my own head. First of all, before we even get to Kelly Olenek, uh, you guys can safely drop Gary Trent. I don't think there's going to be enough usage there, so what's the point of pushing it? He'll be borderline at best. Quickly, you hold on to... I took a lot of flack for saying that Quickly was not going to be uh, inside the top 75 with the Raptors, and I don't think he is. I think he's outside the top 100. The, uh, percentages, he's not a great foul shooter... So he's not going to, like, really lift you up there. Field goal percent has always been low. It's lower than low right now. But this is the stuff you're worried about. Like, there was never guaranteed guarantee that he was going to just go get, like, 20 shots a ball game. And that's why he was a sell high immediately after the trade. Anyway, that's not what you guys... You didn't come to hear me talk about that. Uh, Gary Trent was a name we were watching. I think we can probably move on from him. Pirtle, you're holding. People are like, what should I do? Uh, You're holding because it's been two games with the new pieces, and one of them was a blowout. So if you're like, if you really want the answer to that question you're not going to get it in one and a half games of data with the new players in Toronto. Toronto played a bunch of guys that like the deep bench in this one. How many players did they use? 15 or no, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 13. They go 13 deep here. Am I counting that right fast? So Bruce Brown got 31 minutes. I don't fully understand why he's not a fantasy ad, which brings us to Olinic as the, Will he or won't he? You guys know my love for Kelly Olynyk's fantasy game is unparalleled. It is unbridled. I have there's no bridle on my Kelly Olynyk love, especially on the roto side. This is the this is the magic. This is the magic of Kelly Olinick. He's played 22 and 21 minutes in his two games in Toronto. And in those two games, he's averaged 14 points, five and a half rebounds, two and a half assists, three steals, half a block, a three-pointer, on 50% shooting and a perfect 100 at the free throw line. Kelly Olenek, and you guys don't need me to lecture you on this. You guys know, because we've, like, this podcast for years has been the, the Kelly Olenek power hour, and there's no reason that that's going to stop anytime soon. He's a fantasy monster, when he's not being fully marginalized like he was in Miami basically and to a certain degree like he was in Detroit Utah let him be Olinic Houston let him be Olinic Houston let him be Kelly Plus there was nobody else there he went crazy Utah let him be sort of like regular version Kelly and he was good like short term memory is is a mess these days do you guys remember that last year Kelly Olinic was a top 100 guy in 9-cat in Utah. We just kept thinking they were going to fully pull the plug on him, and they never did. Last season, he averaged 12.5 points, 6 boards, 4 assists, a steal, half a block, 1.5 three-pointers on 50-85 splits. He was good. He was legitimately good last year. He was just inside the top 100, uh, and he was like, Average to slightly above average in almost everything. But that was also 28 minutes. So that's the thing we have to sort of keep in the back of our minds. This year, Olinik is playing 20 minutes a game, and he's inside the top 140 because he's shooting 56% from the field. That's an unsustainable number. If you bring that back down to 50, or even just slightly above 50, he falls back more towards, you know, top 150, top 160 range. So long-term or even medium-term, is 21 minutes actually enough for Olenek to do the kind of damage we need him to do in Toronto? The answer to that question is no. Much as I'd love to say that Kelly can average 14-6-3 and with, you know, whatever he's at right now, three defensive stats, a ballgame, and perfect free-throw shooting in 21 and a half minutes, he can't. Believe me, I want him to. I want him to average those numbers more than anything in the universe but 21 minutes is not going to be enough. We need to find a way to get him to 24 or 25 because we can assume, I think, in Toronto that his job there is going to be a little bit bigger than it was in Utah. Not by a ton. Toronto still has plenty of guys that are going to be doing usage stuff, but he's effectively, when he's on the floor for the Raptors, he's kind of the point guard. Like the fact that he's getting three assists a ball game in 20 minutes is not crazy. And in fact, you might even see that number trend up a little bit. You had extra Bruce Brown in yesterday's ball game. Scotty Barnes, point forward. Uh, Bruce Brown, point wing. And then Olynyk point center. Are kind of like the three ball movers on Toronto right now. And I don't know that they want Scotty Barnes to have to be that guy. I think they'd rather him just go be aggressive. Be aggressive. I'm sneak that in there. What am I doing? Get to the point, Dan. I'm speculatively adding him. I don't see the world's clearest path to 25 minutes for Olenek. But it's not invisible. It's can he play alongside Jakob Pertl and Scotty Barnes. Eh, they could try it. How many minutes do the Raptors want to shoehorn into the Grady Dick bucket? Be careful, Dan. It's probably not wise to say dick bucket in a row on a podcast. We're talking about a player here, for people. Don't be dirty. What about Bruce Brown? I know they didn't move him. How much are they gonna play him? Yeah, the $20 million option on next year that like what? That dude got paid for being the perfect facilitator on Denver. So I don't know, is the short answer to is this gonna pan out? But what I do know is that if it does, I want to be there for it. The nice thing is, on the head-to-head side, Olenek's not going to hurt you. Play him in head-to-head, even even if he only gets 20 minutes in a ball game. He's still going to compile you some numbers in you know five, six different categories, and not hurt you in the percentages, which is also lovely. Roto against the games cap, probably stick him on your bench. Denver Milwaukee was uh, low on fantasy storylines other than KCP coming back too early from his hammy. He'll be out through the All-Star break now. Jamal Murray left uh, with tibia inflammation. That's not a great sign. He'll, I'm sure, be out through the All-Star break as well. You're not making any ads here unless you badly want to try to wedge a Reggie Jackson, you know, like 14, 15.4 assist, nothing else fantasy line into the brief period here before the All-Star break. When does Denver play again? Tomorrow? Yeah, they got Sacramento tomorrow. High-scoring game. So, yeah, I mean, Reggie might put up some numbers in that one, but don't blow a roster move on that on the head-to-head side. And frankly, I don't know that the Roto side is even worth it. What you will get is bonus Nikola Jokic, bonus Aaron Gordon, and bonus Michael Porter Jr. for a game, and that's probably the more fun actual fantasy fallout from those small injuries. Buckside, Chris Middleton remains out. Malik Beasley is your three-pointers stream. I wouldn't go much farther than that. Uh, Jay Crowder is in there and starting, but he's a fantasy disaster. And then Pat Connaughton is picking up some bench minutes, but he's also a bit of a fantasy nothing. So there you go. Beasley, if you badly need threes, but probably you don't need them that badly, we got to move a little faster, don't we? We're 36 minutes into this thing. But hey, before we get to New Orleans, because I know you guys want my opinion on Herb Jones. Before we get to New Orleans and Memphis, this is a perfect time mid-show to remind you guys, because the the live viewership here also has picked up quite a lot uh, in the last 15, 20 minutes. Hey, check out our buddies over at Manscaped.com. Use promo code Ethos20, Ethos20 at Manscaped.com to get 20% off your order and free shipping. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. 20% off your order and free shipping. I thought I sent a tweet out, and I feel like it vanished. Where did it go? Did I delete it by accident? Well, in any event, that doesn't really matter. Uh, Manscaped again. That promo code is ethos20. Ethos20, 20% off and free shipping on your order over there. Um, Get a handyman. Or get a lawnmower. That stuff is good, man. I Like, I keep saying it. You're not going to have to get electric facial hair trimming stuff ever again. So stop screwing around and just go get your stuff at manscaped.com. Also, uh, this is a big live viewership here for a regular recap show. Hi, everybody. Uh, find me over on social. If you're watching on social, just hit the follow button. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube live, Come on over, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Uh, also, check the show description. All the links are floating around in there that you might need. We've got our free Discord link in there where you can get some of our my tweet storms. Uh, you've got the links to Manscaped. You've got the links to ExpressVPN. Lots of good stuff in the show description. And, uh, again, please, 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 what was that, five or six of them? Like, rate, subscribe. Please go hit that button. Mid-show, after the show, whatever you got to do, and then subscribe is the biggest thing because we put out content all the time. All the time. I'm trying to make sure that I have six shows or more every week this season. I think I've generally hit that mark. So hang out with me here. Hit the subscribe button. Like something, whether it's on YouTube or Spotify or iTunes or Twitter or whatever. All of that stuff matters. Let's talk about New Orleans Memphis. Herb Jones is hot. Ladies and gentlemen, he's heating up Hot. He's warm. He's an ad when Herb is warm. He's an ad. He's one of those really interesting fantasy players that when he's cold, he is like, it's just, you you can't even bear it. But when he's hot, holy mackerel, remember the beginning of this year, top 30 run. And it was like a month of that. If he's hot now, you got to make sure you're on that train. So pick him up. Herb Jones is an ad right now. Get him. Not just because of this big ball game. Also, Dyson Daniels, Torn Meniscus, out for a while. He wasn't someone that you guys were starting, but him being out means that they need Herb more. So this actually does solidify his minutes a little bit in a way. That not that they necessarily needed to be solidified. Because he was gonna play a lot regardless. But now, I mean, minutes even safer. And he's hot. Herb is an ad. Trey Murphy, not really. Not really. By the way, this does, and look, like, I'd be lying if I said that there were wasn't a certain satisfaction for me after spending all of last season trying to convince you guys on Twitter uh, that Trey Murphy was a great fill-in fantasy option and everybody was like, shut up, Dan. Take him off your fill-in board. That's disrespectful. And I was like, not really. Like, we haven't seen him post consistent top 100 numbers when all of the big usage guys are healthy he was top 60 range last year but Brandon Ingram's eye on sometimes both were out McCollum was out for a while like the big Trey Murphy games come when a usage guy is out or when Herb is out and his minutes are just big enough to sustain it this year 125 range with the team healthy I to tell you guys last year nobody believed me Some of you believe me, but also it felt like nobody. I got yelled at so much for just leaving Trey Murphy on the injury replacement board last year because he still hadn't convinced me that he was a value when the team was healthy. So the Grizzlies are messy. Um, Vince Williams Jr. is a play because he gets 30 some odd minutes. Obviously, JJJ, when he's upright, he's a play. Scotty Pippen has the whole you know two-way contract thing going on. He actually hurt his back in this ballgame. When he's starting, Pippen is a play, but you kind of have to spot play it because you don't know when he's actually going to use up one of his his two-way days. And then Santi Aldama is the only other one in my eyes that's really all that close. Gigi Jackson uh, was out for this game for violating a team rule. He's playable on the points league side. I don't think Gigi's a guy for 9-cat. Aldama remains a question mark. I remain somewhat hopeful, but then he comes out and shoots two for nine. Like, that's, that's, the, that's the rub with Aldama. We know his percentages are not going to be helpful. What we don't know is how unhelpful they're going to be. And I know I'm repeating myself. I don't want to. Look, the short version is if he's, you know, 45 and 75, his splits, he'll be a nine-cap play. If he's 42 and 62, he won't. And right now he's closer to 42 and 62. But also, how many guys have his fantasy appeal and are suddenly going to get 30 minutes a game out there? Not that many. Also, Grizzlies added uh, Jordan Goodwin. Mentioned this on yesterday's podcast. Keep an eye on him in their next ball game. It's a 10-dayer, so it would be a short-term thing, at least to start. Uh, but we know he has excellent fantasy game. So uh, one eye on Jordan Goodwin. Dante DiVincenzo hurt a hamstring. Why? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because the Knicks have been playing everybody 45 minutes a game for the last three weeks. Tibbs is breaking people, man. He's breaking with his, he's breaking his toys. That's what he always does. He's like that kid that just plays a little too hard with his toys. Anyway, uh, you'll hold on DiVincenzo until we find out uh, how severe this thing is, and plus you got the All-Star break coming up. Hold on Josh Hart. Hold on Precious Achua. Don't pick up Jericho Sims because Hardenstein is close. Uh, Burks is a drop boy on Bogdanovich, probably a drop. As we mentioned yesterday, I called him a temp hold because I wanted to see what his role would look like with the team there. If DiVincenzo has to miss the next ball game, you might be able to squeeze, you know, one good game out of Bogdanovich. Even then, I'm not entirely sure, but he's going to trend towards a drop at some point. Question is how long do you want to give him before you pull the trigger on that? On the Houston side, I'm in Thompson, filling in for Freddie Van Vliet. And, and as much as it pains me to say this, and Dylan Brooks also filling in for Freddie Van Vliet. Brooks is getting a lot of shots right now. Sometimes that's a bad thing for him. But overall, he's making enough of them in the Freddie Van Vliet absence to be a fantasy stream. So you've got two streamables in Thompson and Brooks until Van Vliet comes back, who will be reevaluated after the All-Star break. Wizards! Hey, Tyus Jones, career high, 16 assists for sweet, sweet Tyus. Sweet, sweet Tyus. Somehow he only stayed. He didn't move up. He was number 59 coming into this ballgame, and he left at number 59. It's harder to move up and down the board right now when we're this far into the season. Marvin Bagley, 12 and 13 in 28 minutes. This is why we said to hold. Hold because there was just no way he was going to play 15 minutes a game, and they were going to go all Denny Avdia at center, because frankly, there are some teams out there that are too big for that. Mavs happened to be one of them. So Bagley got an almost starters minutes. You guys know I hate his fantasy game, but if he's going to get 28 to 35 minutes of ball game, then he's going to end up being a start. So hold on, see what happens. Again, no guarantee that it works, but see what happens. Give it a little longer. Bilal, no. Been trying to warn you guys about this for a long time. Avdia, uh, he had a bad shooting or free throw and turnover game. This is kind of what happened to him late last year, but he's a hold right now because he is getting some small ball center minutes. That's good. Corey Kispert has cooled off. You can go ahead and drop him. I mean, I like the fact that he's still trying to get 10, 11 shots up per ball game. That's good. But his fantasy game doesn't support holding on to him when he's cold to wait for the warm spells. Daniel Gafford, P.J. Washington, both started for the Mavs yesterday. P.J. has clunky fantasy appeal, so he, as I mentioned, I think is a drop. Gafford, 24 minutes, which, I mean, honestly, it could have been more, but what am I going to get greedy? 16 points, 17 rebounds, 2 steals, 5 blocks. You can call it a revenge game if you want, but honestly, he just fits. With Doncic and Irving, he can attack the rim. Pretty similarly to the way uh, Derek Lively can, but he's a better defender, and he's not going to make as many mistakes. So uh, you got three guys you can start on the Mavs right now: Luca, Kyrie, and Gafford. Those are your three. I right, had a lot of folks again. This is another one. A lot of a lot of people asking me on Twitter if I thought Gafford would ever start for the Mavs. And if anybody watched my trade deadline show, I said I thought he'd start almost immediately. Well. Warriors blew out the Jazz. Dubs are playing better. Jazz are playing worse. Uh, Utah has, again, kind of leaned into the... Pu- not. It's not a full tank, obviously, because moving bodgy and Linux is not like you unloaded your best guys. But part of what made the Jazz so appealing when they went on that hot run was that they had all these different lineup combos they could use. And Olenek was a glue guy in a lot of them. So they got to find... And we'll come back to the Warriors. Let's talk Utah first. We got to find the Utah Jazz do someone that can be a connector in that same way. And I don't know that they have that guy. Chris Dunn is probably your closest thing, but he's not a floor spacer. So who's going to be the point guard? Is it going to be Colin Sexton? Because he's not really a point guard. Is it going to be Keontae George? Because he's probably too young to do it. I think Utah's going to feel this impact. Well, the good news is John Collins is going to put up numbers. He wasn't that great in this ballgame, but he'll be fine. Walker Kessler is going to finally put up big numbers. Enjoy this run. Colin Sexton, keep playing him. Uh, Jordan Clarkson showing signs of waking back up again. This could be sort of like the next little mini heater for him after that big downturn. You're not picking up THT. Uh, You're not picking up Taylor Hendricks. I don't know where the Taylor Hendricks Twitter stuff was coming from. Uh, And then... Kante George, I've been out on for a long time. You can keep one eye on him. Keep one eye on Chris Dunn also just to see if any consistency forms, but there hasn't been so far, so blech. Over on the Warriors' side, we said hold Clay Thompson. He bounced back. Hold Andrew Wiggins. He's been okay. Uh, hold Draymond, obviously, Steph. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga showing signs of slowing down after his world-beating three-month-long mega heater. That was just like the most obvious sell-high moment on planet Earth. He'll be fine. He'll be a top 100 guy the rest of the way, or maybe even a little bit better, but you probably could have gotten like a top 60 dude when he was really cooking at like a first, second round pace for three weeks. Now that'll be harder. And then Brandon Pajemski is the other one. I think he's probably trending towards a drop in many formats, and a lot of that's because Gary Payton came back, and he's going to ramp up because he's their best defender. Uh, wing defender, at least, outside of Draymond, who's, you know, he's always going to be the anchor on that side. So Payton's going to get some minutes as his body solidifies, and uh, a bunch of other guys are going to give him some of those minutes, and some are going to come from Pajemski, who was close. Now, if someone is hurt, like if Clay takes a game off or if Wiggins needs a game off or whatever, and Pajemski gets a start, in my eyes, that's probably when it goes back. So maybe downgraded to a fill-in level, dude. And that's probably why I'd leave it on Brandon. And the last one before we wrap it up for the day Minnesota blew out the Clippers in a game that had this many fantasy angles. Goose egg. These two teams have nothing. Ivica Zubots didn't have as many minutes in this one, uh, mostly because he was getting run off the court. Not run off the court. That's not the right expression. He was just getting played off the court. By Cat and Gobert, they were just better. But he was still fine. Zubats belongs on rosters as a low-end center. He'll be in that kind of Nick Richards department. Uh, and otherwise, there's just nothing. Jaden McDaniels left early again. Uh, I think he ended up making it through. But uh, he'll be in and out of the lineup a little bit coming up here. And, you know, Nas Reed gets a small bump when he's out. And uh, Slowmo Mo gets a small bump when McDaniels is out, but nothing that, like, tips the scales so much that you have to act on it immediately. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a show that took longer than I expected it to, but we went super in-depth on some of those uh, recently traded guys. I think that's honestly what everybody wanted me to talk about. One question in the chat room was about Peyton Watson on Denver. He's a possibility to be interesting for a game. Yeah, I mean, I I would consider it. Problem is that going into the All-Star break, I don't know if he's gonna be good in their game tomorrow. And it's not like you can say, oh, well, maybe we like take a game and see how it goes and then pick him up, because then they have a week off. And presumably Jamal Murray will be back. Maybe KCP is back on the other side of that. And then we've picked up a guy and didn't even really get to use him. So I would probably watch someone like a Peyton Watson on Wednesday. And then if we come out of the All-Star break and the same guys are still out for Denver then you maybe make that swap like next Wednesday or next Thursday morning or something. Uh, but that's my hesitation to dive in uh, right now. That's a good question on uh, on Peyton Watson. Uh, here's a fun question we can ask at the end. Who is the sexiest player in the NBA and why is it Davis Bertans? <laughs> I don't know, man. Why is it Davis Bertans? We'll leave that one for the chat room. There's Davis love coming through. Maybe it's the sweet, like, pseudo-comb-over thing for a guy who doesn't need to sweep his hair over like that. Just wait, Davis, you're only 31. The hair will continue to thin, and then you can really bring in the comb-over. You know what? Maybe people like Davis Bretons because he looks like, uh, what was that toy called? Was it called Wooly Willy? Was that the toy where you could magnetize a beard and hair? And, like, the easiest thing to do was always just to put a beard and then loop it around to the top. And that's what Davis looks like to me. Because he's got, like, the hair that goes into the fade and then comes right back for the beard. So it's like, hair, not hair, hair. Cartoonish. It is cartoonish. So, yeah, I think that's that. 50 minutes feels like enough, doesn't it? All-Star break coming up. What the hell are we going to talk about over the All-Star break? I'm going to come up with some ideas, man. But I guess you guys don't listen to me talk through that on air. I'm Dan Vespers Thanks for watching, everybody. Please do hit a like or a subscribe button on your way out. Find me over on social, at Dan Bespris. This was Fantasy NBA Today, a SportsEthos.com presentation might have a second show this afternoon but again with the all-star break i'm more than likely to save those shows for the days without games that's right i got to i have to budget my shows this week in the meantime i smooch you all hugs and kisses everybody